0: Two weeks ago, we began a new series going through the Old Testament minor prophet book of Habakkuk. Uh, of course, Habakkuk is uh, one of the smaller books in the in the Old Testament. It's only three chapters, and so it's a very short book. Uh, but of course, this series we've entitled Questioning God. Now, in this very short book of Habakkuk, we see a lot of powerful truths that God reveals to us through the prophet about our relationship with God. And Habakkuk begins with the prophet who, the only thing we know about him is his name. A lot of the, all the other Old Testament prophets, we we know their lineage, we know the tribe they come from, we know who their fathers are. The only thing we know about Habakkuk is his name. And Habakkuk opens up by questioning God. And what Habakkuk has been through is, is a lot of, it's very confusing to him. Habakkuk, of course, was a prophet during the divided kingdom, and he was in the nation of Judah, and for years he had prayed for God to send revival to his people. His people had grown cold on God, they would gotten into idol worship, this is, of course right after, several years after Solomon, and so it was kind of the pinnacle of, of Israel's uh, time, their golden age, and then the Solomon dies, his sons take over, the kingdom splits, and one kingdom uh, in Israel. Israel gets taken into captivity, Judah is going into into idol worship, and, and Habakkuk is there as a man who loves God, and he is praying for God to send revival to the nation, to do something in his people. And then, of course, God hears his prayer, and hears the prayers of other people, and sends a wonderful leader. Who gets rid of the idol worship, who kicks out all the the false prophets and brings the people back to God, he restores the temple everything 's going great the, the, it is a national revival it is something that has never been seen anywhere else in the world. Every sector of society was crying for revival. We explained it'd be like if if tomorrow morning we woke up and the president came on the, the news and said, I have an announcement to make. I believe that our country needs to get back to God. And Congress came on right after and said, hey, we agree with our president. All of us, Republicans, Democrats, independents, we all believe we need to get back to God. The Senate says, hey, all hundred of us, we believe we need to get back to God. CNN and MSNBC come on and say, hey, we agree with them. We need to get back with God. The te- Start teaching in colleges and and schools. Hey, we need to get back to God. It'd be something like that happening. We think of that and we think, man, that's impossible. And it is without God. But that's what Habakkuk is seeing. He is living through a time where, where everyone in the entire country is calling out to God. They're obeying his word. They're following him. This is what he has prayed for. This is what he has begged God for. And he is just ecstatic that this is what's happening. But then... The king dies, one of his sons take over, and leads the country right back into idol worship. And Habakkuk is, is looking at God, saying, why are you doing this? Why, why did you let your people go this way? You're holy, you're righteous, you, you love us, you give us this incredible revival, and then you just, you just let it go away. Why are you doing this? He's confused. He's angry at God. And he's calling out to God, asking God, why are you doing this? And that's a thing, a, 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 an emotion that many of us have a problem thinking we can do. We think we can't be mad at God. He's God, He's holy, He's omniscient, He's sovereign. Everything he does, we know Romans 8.28, all things work together for our good. So we know, hey, everything in Habakkuk, he had Romans 8.28 in the life of Joshua. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. So he's going, God, this is evil that's happening, and I know you mean it for good, but I'm still mad about it. I still don't like it. And we think, can we, can we get mad at God? You look through your Bible, there are many men who got angry with God. No, they didn't curse God or sin, but they they went to God and said, God, I don't like what's going on, I don't understand what's going on, and I'm not happy about what's going on. And so that's what Habakkuk is doing. He is questioning what is happening to God. Not only does Habakkuk question God, he questions his motives. He questions his purposes. But after he kind of calls out to God in anger, In confusion, kind of demanding, hey God, you tell me what's going on. God answers him. And here's the interesting thing. He doesn't answer him with lightning. He doesn't say, who are you to question me? You're dead now. God answers Habakkuk. So this morning, let's continue looking to the book of Habakkuk. We're going to see God's answer this morning. Habakkuk chapter number 1, verse number 5. It says, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard, and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. So this is an incredible promise. God comes to Bacchus and says, Hey, Bacchus, you don't understand what's going on. And I get that because I'm God. I see the whole scheme, what's going on. But I'm going to work a work in your day that you're not even going to believe. Now, that's an incredible verse right there. I saw one day, uh, one day, it was several years ago, I saw at a church camp. I saw some teens walking around with this verse on there. I will work a work in your day that you will not be able to believe. And it sounds like a great promise. But right after God says that, he goes, by the way, I'm going to let people attack you and corrupt you and take you into prison. So I'm going to work something, and you ain't going to like it. It's going to be bad. So, this is not a great verse to, to, to claim right here. But he says, I'll work a work in your day that you will not believe, though when I told it you, lo, for lo, I will raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land and possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. It says, they are terrible. And dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards. And are more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen shall spread themselves. And their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces uh, shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather uh, the captivity as the sand, and they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dusk and take it. Then shall his mind change. He shall pass over and offend, imputing this, his power unto his God. So, of course, in these verses, when God answers Habakkuk, we we see God answering him and kind of explaining what he's doing and telling him, what I'm doing is for judgment. And we're going to talk about that next week. But this week, I want to look at two truths that every one of us here, I believe, know theologically. We know them, we believe them, but we live as if we don't. And here's these these two truths, these incredible truths, the first one that these verses teach us. First thing it teaches us is God hears prayers. That's an incredible truth that Habakkuk teaches us, that every one of us, we understand that theologically. We know that because the Bible tells it. Our preachers have told it to us. Our Sunday school teachers have told it to us. We, God hears prayers, and we know that, but too many of us live as if it's not true. Or well, here's the problem. Because of our sinful nature, we like to put things on levels. We do it with We do it in our spiritual realm. We do it with our sin. Our sin is not as bad as someone else's sin, so we're not as bad as someone else. You know, all we did was lie to our wife. We didn't go out and look at pornography or cheat on her or anything like that, so it's not quite that bad. But to God, all sin is sin, no matter what it is. The lie, when you know, when the cop pulls you over and says, You know why I pulled you over? And you know why he pulled you over. But you say, No, sir. That's a lie. That's a sin. Preacher ever done that? Every time. Why? Because I don't want to tell him I think it's something I didn't do. You know why I pulled you over? Oh, yeah, because my blinker's broken. Now I didn't notice that. But let me go ahead and take it to you after well. So you don't want to get yourself in more trouble. But like, oh, that's not a big deal. To God it is. We also do it in our walk with God. We look at people in the Bible. We think they're super Christians. So of course God, of course God would listen to Habakkuk. He's got a Bible book named after him. There's a book of the Bible named after him. So of course God's going to hear him. He's a super Christian. I'm just... I'm just a mediocre Christian. I've got issues. I've got problems. I've got things I struggle with. So, yeah, God will hear David. It's David, a man after God's own heart. Of course God's going to hear Abraham. He's a friend of God. Of course he's going to listen to Moses. It's Moses, for goodness sakes. But why would he listen to me? And so we think, well, God listened to them because they're better Christians. God listens to the preacher. God listens to this evangelist because, man, they're really in touch with God. But God doesn't hear me. One of my favorite Bible verses is Peter in the book of Acts. I talk about the Gentiles, but he says, I perceive of a truth, God is no respecter of persons. What that tells us, if God hears Habakkuk, who, remember, he's not coming to God saying, Oh, precious, holy God, I love you so much and I trust you so much and I'm just, I'm just, I'm so glad you're doing a work in my life. He's going to God and saying, Hey, I'm mad. You need to explain to me what's going on. If God would hear him, God hears me. God hears prayer. If you read scriptures, if you read the Bible and you study them, you see that everyone in them, everyone that God uses, everyone that God talks to is a mess. They've all got issues. They've all got problems. They've all got sins in their life that we thank God they're not in our life. From the very beginning, people had issues. In the Bible, God meets with murderers. He meets with adulterers. He meets with thieves. He meets with prostitutes. He meets with people that we wouldn't want to eat dinner with. But God meets with them. He hears them and talks to them. God meets people going through extremely Horrible, difficult circumstances. God meets with people going through incredible victories. The Bible tells us no matter who you are, no matter where you came from, no matter what you're going through, God meets with you. God hears your prayer. God meets everyday people in everyday circumstances. God hears our prayers. When we call out to him, even when we call out in frustration, even when we call out in confusion, even when we call out questioning what he is doing in our life, God hears our prayers. Habakkuk isn't saying, God, I love you, I trust you, but i got, got a quick question if you don't mind. Habakkuk is saying, God, I don't like how you're running things. I don't under, I don't like what you're doing and you need to listen to me. You need to tell me what's going on. He calls out in anger. He calls out in doubt. He calls out in fear. And God hears him. That's a powerful truth that too often we miss this morning. That that tells us you don't have to have everything together for God to hear you. All you have to do is call out to him. You don't got to have the perfect life for God to hear you. All you have to do is say, God, I don't know what's going on. God, I need your help. God, I need you, I need you to speak to me. Lord, I need you to do a work. Lord, I need to know what's going on because my life's a wreck, and I thought I was doing everything right, and I'm trying to serve you and follow you, and everything's falling apart, and I don't get it. God, tell me what's going on. God hears when we call out to Him. No matter what we're going through, no matter how we feel, no matter where we come from, God hears when we call out to him. And that is a simple truth that we miss. We understand it, but we don't think it applies to us. We don't get the depth of that truth, the depth of that fact. We see, but we see this teaching throughout the entire Bible. In the life of Abraham, God comes to Abraham in Genesis 12. At this time, he's Abram. And he tells him, says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I want you to leave where you're at, leave your home, go to a place I'll show you. And I'm going to make you an incredible nation. And at this time, Abraham's 75 years old. He's 75 years old. His wife's pretty old too. She has no kids. She's barren. The Bible says she is barren. She can't have any kids. He's got no kids. God comes to her and says, Abraham, I want you to leave where you're at and go, and I'll I'll, I'll make you a great nation. I'll give you children. So many, they can't even number The stars can't even number them. It's going to do a great thing. I'm going to bless the whole world through your family and your kids. It's going to be awesome. Abraham, trust God. He obeys God. He follows. Fifteen years go by. No baby. No kid. Abraham still believes, but Sarah's having some doubts. So she comes to Abraham and says, look, I know God says he's going to give you a bunch of kids. And maybe he didn't mean through me. Maybe he meant through someone else. So here's, here's my handmaid, Hagar. Here's my maid. Go have a baby with her. So Abraham goes and he gets his wife's handmaid pregnant. She has a child, Ishmael. Now this isn't the child God promised. is And God tells Abraham that. Ten years after Ishmael's born, Sarah at 90, 25 years after the promise... Sarah gets pregnant. So ladies, there's always hope for you, amen? Sarah gets pregnant. She has Isaac. Well now, you have in the same camp, you have Ishmael, who's 10 years old, and Isaac, who's newborn. They're both sons of Abraham. They have the same father, but they have a different mother. And Sarah, though, remember, Ishmael exists because of Sarah. Abraham didn't cheat on her, didn't go behind her back. He didn't do it. It wasn't his idea, it was her idea. Ishmael is alive because Sarah had a bright idea. But Sarah hates Ishmael. She hates Hagar. She says, there's no way that this kid is going to get Isaac's inheritance. So she comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, kick him out of the camp. Now, in this time, we, don't under, we think that's no big deal. He's just kicking her out of the house. She'll find another place to live. No big deal. She'll just go somewhere else. In this time, to be kicked out of the camp into the wilderness, it was a death sentence. I mean, it's they're in the desert. There's there's no food for them. There's no water for them. They they stay together there because there's safety in numbers, there's help in numbers, there's supply in numbers. But he's kicking them out, and there's nowhere for them to go. There's no help for them. There's no hotel. There's no 7-Eleven down the street they can get a drink from. He is kicking them out, and they are going to die. And Abraham is torn up about it, but he listens to his wife because, hey, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? So he goes to Ishmael, he goes to Hagar, he gives him a loaf of bread and a bottle of water, kicks him out. Keep on going through the chapter, through the verse, and we find it up in Genesis twelve. They run out of food, they run out of water, they're in the desert. They're going to die. Look what the Bible says in Genesis chapter twenty-one. Starting in verse fifteen, it says, "And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child." Remember, he's ten years old. He's Connor's age. He's a ten-year-old boy. And she cast a child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat down over against him a good way off, as it were a bow shot, for she said, Let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. So they run out of water. They run out of food. They're in the desert. You ever been with a hungry kid? They're not like, Oh, I'm Mother, I'm just a little tired. I'm a little hungry. Can you get me some? No, I mean, Ishmael is crying. He's hungry. He's confused. Why, why did dad do this to us? Why did, he doesn't know what's going on. He's just a 10-year-old little boy. He doesn't know what's going on. And, and Sarah, put yourself and put yourself in Hagar's place. Your kid's dying of hunger and dehydration and heat stroke, and you can't do anything about it. You can't help. If you could, you would, but you can't. So she is just so upset and so distraught. She's like, I, I can't watch my son die. So she puts him under a bush to get a little bit of shade. She goes a couple hundred yards away and sits down and just waits for him to die. Because he's going to die, and then she's going to die. It's a pretty bleak circumstance. But look what the Bible says after that. Ishmael, he's screaming out in hunger. He's screaming out in confusion. Hagar, she's screaming out in anger and frustration. Mad at Abraham, mad at Sarah, mad at God for allowing this. Look what the Bible says. And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called unto Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, "What aileth thee, Hagar? Don't you sometimes God ask some some really you're like seriously you don't you don't you don't know what's bothering me? I'm hungry, thirsty. Let's start with those three right there. What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. God heard." Ishmael. And he sent an angel to tell Hagar. He goes, hey, why why are you upset? God heard his prayer. God heard your son. He goes on to tell Hagar that Ishmael will also have twelve princes, and they're going to become a mighty nation, just like uh, Isaac will. But at, at that moment in history, in the vast expanse of the universe, with everything going on, God heard a little boy cry. Why? Because God hears your prayer. God cares about you. Now, it's easy to say, well, Ishmael, he's a Bible character. He's Abraham's son. He's not the chosen one, but he's still, he's one of Abraham's sons. That's got to get him some special favor with God. Bible characters are in the Bible to show us how God interacts in everyday life. No matter what you're facing, now what you're going through, no matter how small or insignificant you feel, God hears your prayer. This truth throughout the Bible, Exodus chapter two. God comes to Moses, says Israel has been in slavery for over 400 years. It says I heard the cry of my people. He sends Moses to deliver them. And, of course, you know the story in Exodus. Moses goes to Pharaoh and stands up and says, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. You know, you always see Charlton Heston when I read Moses. So he says, hey, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh refuses. So God sends nine plagues to kind of break the will of Pharaoh. Man, he turns water into blood. He sends flies. He sends lice. He kills half the, uh, all the livestock. He turns it dark for three days. He sends fire from heaven. Just all these horrible things are happening. Every time a plague comes, Pharaoh goes to Moses and says, Hey, if you stop it, you can go. The plague stops. Then Pharaoh says, Psych, change my mind. And wouldn't let it go. And so time and time again, nine times this happens until finally, God sends the plague of the firstborn son. The death angel passes through Egypt. Of course, we know the story of the Passover. The Israelites had put the blood of the lamb on the the doorposts, and their children were safe. But every child in Egypt, every household in Egypt, the firstborn son died. Pharaoh's heartbroken. Egypt's heartbroken. He finally looks at Moses and says, take your people, take whatever you want, and get out. And so they're delivered from Egypt. But not for long. I mean, again, put yourself in Pharaoh's position. You wake up one morning and your son's dead. And every firstborn son in Egypt is dead. And that group over there is to blame. If that happened in America, if we woke up and all of our firstborn sons were dead, and we knew it's that country over there, they wouldn't be alive another day. Every one of us would be like, nuke them now. Wipe them off the face of the planet. And that's what Pharaoh deals with. He goes, hey, you know what? He comes to himself and says, basically he says, they killed our children. Let's get them. So they chase them down. They pin them down at the Red Sea. And it looks bleak for Israel. They got nowhere to go. They got mountains on each side. They got the Red Sea in front of them. They got Pharaoh, very angry army, bearing down. It is going to be a massacre. And what do they do? They yell at God and Moses. God, why'd you bring us out here to kill us? You could have let us die in slavery, it'd have been easier. At least then it would have been a pretty decent. Now you brought us out here to massacre us God. Why? And God heard their prayer. He heard what was going on to them. He hears them. But the greatest truth in the Bible, the greatest truth in all these stories, isn't the fact that God hears our prayers. That's incredible. But the greatest truth that Habakkuk teaches us, that the entire Bible teaches us, is God hears our prayers. And number two, God answers prayers. With the Israelites at the Red Sea, God answered them. And he didn't rebuke them for questioning him. He didn't say, hey, you don't trust me, let Pharaoh have you. He puts a pillar of fire to stop Pharaoh, sends a wind to part the Red Sea. They cross the Red Sea on dry ground. They turn around to look, Pharaoh's coming at them at the Red Sea. And God just shuts it up and destroys their enemies and delivers them in an incredible, miraculous way. God answers Ishmael's cry, and he saves him and Hagar and makes him a powerful leader. He answers Habakkuk's prayer. In verse 5, again, he says, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe, though it be told to you. God tells Habakkuk, Hey, Habakkuk, I hear you. I understand why you're upset, but listen. I'm doing something. I'm answering your prayer. I am working all this out for something greater. Time and time and time again, the Bible teaches these powerful lessons. God hears prayers and God answers prayers. And He doesn't respond to the people that He responds to because they're awesome. They're a mess. They've got issues. They've got huge, glaring problems. He answers them because He loves them. God is aware Of what's going on in your life right now. That's one of his characteristics. He's omnipresent. God is everywhere at the same time. God is involved in everyone's life at the same time. God is aware of everything you're dealing with right now. When David realized this in Psalms 8, it blew his mind. Psalms 8, chapter 3, he says, When I consider thy heavens... The work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him? They would say, "God, look at the stars, look at creation, look at the expanse of your creation. I am amazed with all this that you are aware of me. I am amazed that you would care for me. I am amazed." That you would listen to me, and you would answer me. And David's understanding of the universe—it was extremely limited compared to ours. David didn't know anything about the universe. He thought he thought that the the sun revolved around the earth. He thought he was literally the center of the world, of the center of the universe. He thought everything focused on him. And he's still like God. With all this, I'm surprised. I'm the center of the universe. I'm surprised you're focused on me. Now we know. I mean, the universe now—the observable universe—is ninety two. Billion light years across. That means if you sat on one end of the universe and shined a flashlight, it would take 92 billion years for someone on the other side to say, Hey, did you see that light? That's how I mean billions of galaxies, billions of stars, billions of planets. And God, the Bible says God's named every single one of them. And in that huge expanse of God's awesome creation, the earth is a teeny tiny speck. And you are on that teeny tiny speck. And God's aware of you. And God cares about you. And God hears you. And God answers you. He is aware of you to the point... That he, he knows all the days of your life. See, sometimes we think, oh, God, God's aware of us. We think, us, collectively, the church, God's aware of us. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But no, 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 God's aware of you. He's so aware of you. He knows the day you're going to die before he ever made you. He is so aware of you. He knows every single hair that is on your head or the ones that used to be. He knows everything about you. He is aware of all that. God is aware of every problem you face. He's aware of every trial you go through. He's aware of every joy you receive. We know that theologically, but we don't live that practically. Too many of us, we believe, oh, God hears prayers. God answers prayers. Let me ask you a question. How come we don't pray? How come we don't pray like God hears and answers prayers? We believe, here's what I think, I think we believe God hears and answers prayers, but we think he answers no too many times. So he's going to say no, so why even bother asking? Or he doesn't answer the way we want to. Now I believe God answers yes far more than we realize, but there's two reasons I believe that we don't think he does. There's two reasons I believe we don't live like God hears prayers, Again, here's the first one. We give credit where it doesn't belong. About a month ago, we had a work at the church. Got a lot of work done, did a lot of things. Well, uh, Brother David Eccleston and DJ, and they had a lot of other help, but they, they rebuilt the retention wall that's down there right outside the gym. And it, it, they did a great job. That thing's going to be there until God burns the world with fire. It is sturdy. It is They did an incredible job. Now, when they were done... I didn't go down there and look at it and say, Man, y'all sure have a great hammer. Man, I need to borrow that hammer. That's a good hammer right there. Look what that hammer did. No, the hammer, the saws, they were just a tool in their hands. They did the work, but they used tools to get done. See, what we do, God answers our prayers, and we credit the tool. I got a great doctor. I got a great mechanic. I sure got a good lawyer. I got a good, good boss. They give me a good raise. We credit, we praise the tool instead of the one using the tool. We ask God to do things and he does things through tools. And instead of crediting him, we credit the tool that he uses. He answers yes, but we don't see yes because we miss what he did and we think, man, we sure are lucky. No. God answered. Prayers. Let me give you an example from my life. The Keens, of course, they just got back from, from teen uh, camp. Parker was supposed to go. He worked, he worked every event. He raised the money. He did everything he needed to do to go. He was set to go, and before he went, his mother prayed, said, "God, I want you to keep him safe at camp. Lord, I want you to make sure he's protected at camp." Two weeks before a camp, he falls rollerblading and severely breaks his leg and his ankle. Breaks his tibia, his fibula. I mean, it was flopping around like a fish. It was bad. He had to have two surgeries to fix it. So of course, he can't go to camp now. And that's, man, that's too bad. But during his stay in the hospital, his blood pressure was severe. Well, one, one doctor said impressively high. And blood pressure is not something you want to be impressive. Because like he's got impressively high blood pressure. Everybody, started, well, it's just a trauma. It's just because he's in pain. It's just because of the break, it'll level out. Well, there was one doctor, anesthesiologist, that looked at it and said, there's something more going on here. It's not just a broken leg because we're getting high blood pressures and he's sedated and sleeping. He's not in pain, so why is it so high? So they run all kinds of tests. They think it could be his heart, it could be his his kidneys. They run all these tests and find out that there's nothing physically wrong with him. He just, genetically, he has high blood pressure. My my grandmother died when she was 33 years old of high blood pressure. So genetically, he just has high blood pressure. So now we have to monitor it. He has to be on medication. We've got to change his diet, get a little more exercise. So we've got some things we can do to, to manage it. But if he hadn't have broken his leg, we never would have known. He'd have gone to camp. He'd have played hard with dangerously high blood pressure. He could have had a stroke or a heart attack at 15. So who do we credit there? The broken leg? Oh, I'm glad he broke his leg. I'm I'm glad the blood pressure machine worked. I'm glad we got that anesthesiologist. Who do we give credit to? No, we give credit to God answering prayers. Now, I am sure Parker would rather God answer that prayer a little bit differently maybe just send us a note or something but we don't know why God did it well we don't know what his what the but we know God did it because his mother prayed God keep my boy safe so God answers prayer do we credit the broken leg no those are tools that God used to answer prayer so I believe God just says yes, but we give credit to the wrong thing. Second reason I think we don't, we don't believe God answers prayers is because we forget what we ask Him for. We don't remember everything we ask God for, and so in the millions of times He says yes. We forget about it, so when He says no, we pout. We're like a kid at Christmas who gets thousands of dollars worth of Christmas presents, but they didn't get the iPhone they wanted, so they complained. I didn't want the iPhone 8, 60 gigabyte iPhone 8 Plus. I wanted the 186 gigabyte iPhone 10. So they complained they didn't get the exact same thing that they wanted. We don't keep track of all our prayers, so we don't recognize when God says yes time and time and time again. Here's some other examples. Me and April pray each day. I always pray, God, keep, keep us safe. Protect our family. And if April's going out, Lord, protect her today. You know, we, we went, of course, on vacation. Before we went, God, keep us safe while we, as we travel down. Lord, give us a good trip there. Protect us while we're there. Bring us safely back. You know what? We didn't have an accident on the way down. We, we passed three of them on the way back up. Got routed around three accidents. I wasn't in any one of them. Why? Because I prayed, God, keep us safe. And God answered our prayer. But we forget about that. We forget that every day she goes out and comes back safe. She didn't get attacked. She didn't get sick. She didn't have an accident. None of these things happen. That God answering prayers. Every day our kids stay safe. It's, it's God answering prayers. So we, we give these prayers and God says yes, but we think they're so insignificant and we forget about them. So when God does say no, God, you never say yes to me. God's never, I say yes to you all the time. Not to mention all the prayers, all the times God keeps us safe and we don't ask for it. I mean, all of us here, we made it safe to church this morning. No one died in an accident on the way to church this morning. Because we're all alive here, so we all made it here safe, right? Maybe some of us said, God, keep us safe as we travel. But the majority of us probably didn't, but we made it here safe. What is that? That's God taking care of you. That's God answering a prayer that you didn't even think to give up. Because God hears and answers the prayer. See, God does say no sometimes but not nearly as many times as we think. He is a good father that says yes most of the time. But here's the truth I want you to get. The fact that he hears you and answers you is amazing. We serve a God that cares about what you're going through and he hears your prayers and he answers your prayers. Those are profound And simple truths that if you get it, and you live like you get it, it will change how you interact with God. It will change your walk with God. Habakkuk teaches us that God cares how we feel. God cares what we're going through. God hears our prayers, and God answers our prayers, no matter who we are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father...